Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we are going to discuss how to create the most effective full body training program. This is something that a lot of people uh, don't know how to do effectively. A lot of people argue about what's the best kind of training. Is it a split? Is it a full body? The reality is there is no best training program. And I'm going to talk about that first, but then I'm going to teach you guys how to program a full body program because the reality is, is it takes a lot more creativity. There's a lot of people who do split based programs and all they care about is volume. So as long as they have a calculator, they can program. That's not the reality of how great programming is done and especially not in the full body setting. So we're going to dive deep into that today, guys. But before we do, I have a couple quick announcements. The first one being the most important one, guys, today is the day we're built for you. The self-auto-regulated and self-individualized program drops. This actually is a split-based program. It's an upper-lower split that gives you six training sessions per week, but these can be extended to every week and a half. So if you look at a training week, it is not like a calendar week. It is not seven days. It can be seven days like most people's are, but it can also be eight, nine, ten, four. 14. It is literally the cycle of going through a full training week, a micro cycle. This micro cycle is six days. You can take seven days to do it. You can take 10 days to do it. You determine that. And I teach you how to do that in this program. Um, it is one of the programs that I really, really enjoyed having creativity with because I allow... I put so much effort into giving you guys so many different options with exercise selection and volume that you can literally build this for yourself. But not only that, there's a self-auto-regulated system to where you can rate your biofeedback day to day before the session starts, and it will literally determine your RPE and volume that's going into the session. So if you're having a shitty day, if you're having a shitty week, if you're too stressed out, if you're in a serious deficit and you're fatigued, rank your biofeedback properly and it is going to adjust your training for you. If you are having a great day and you're writing to push, it's going to bump up your RPE and allow you to train harder. It's also going to change the volume done in that session. So really, really excited about that because it's the first time I've ever put a way for people to auto-regulate and, and kind of change and individualize the program itself. Not only that, Every single exercise is not classified as an exercise. It's classified as a movement pattern. So what this allows you to do is understand the movements your body is doing and determine what exercise selection fits you best. So I will tell you what movement to do in, in order to build strength and enhance your physique by building muscle, but you get to determine which of those movement patterns or which one of the exercises fits that movement pattern properly and the joint positioning, which is a big key that a lot of people forget about. You get to decide which one works best for your biomechanics, which one allows you to feel the muscle work the best. So this is the first time I've ever allowed that option as well. Add to all of that. This program gives you a free access. It's not really free because you're buying the program, but it gives you access to the private Facebook group that is only for individuals who buy this book, meaning you are not going to get coupled into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum, which has 600 plus members in it, which I am super proud of because it's a fucking badass group. But this group is specifically only for the people who buy this book, which means you get access to me on a closer level so I can help guide you through this program. The last thing I will say about this is I poured so much education into the beginning of the book. There's a full ebook spread literally telling you how I program, why I program, my philosophy behind program, how to change the program, how to program for your clients or yourself. Like there's nothing I didn't cover. RPE, effort, exercise selection, activation, compound lifts, periodization, uh, volume, intensity, frequency. There's literally like the list never ends. Tempo, respirate. Like I covered everything you can think of that is known inside the hypertrophy world and then some, and then I categorized it in different chapters of the book. So you can really get a full picture outside of just this program and understand how to really understand these topics and implement them into your training. So guys, obviously I'm pretty fired up about this. I'm going to stop ranting about it and I'm going to get to the podcast so you guys can get free content. But if you are interested in getting a training program that 
may well be the last training program you ever have to buy because it teaches you so goddamn much, this is the program for you. Drop down into the description of this podcast. Grab it right now. It is on sale this week only. I'm excited for you to start. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this episode. Today, we are going to dive into the minutia. We're going to get into the weeds here about full body training. Um, I will likely do something on uh, split-based training, but today we're going to just talk specifically about full body training. There's a question that has been asked (laughs) a million times and answered a million different times in a million different ways by a million different trainers. It's been the topic on probably a million different podcasts, blogs, uh, shows, Instagram posts, so many different things, YouTube videos, and that's full body training versus split training which is better? That's kind of this, I don't want to say dogmatic, but it's a question that number one, I think doesn't hold a lot of water because you don't need to determine which is better. So it can be kind of dogmatic, but it's more so just a question that's kind of irrelevant. Um, There is no better. Like I'm going to dive into all the pros and cons and and the benefits of full body training. I'm going to kind of cater this podcast to be how to create the most effective full body training program. That's what it's all about. So we're not going to talk a ton about the benefits of split training, but first we're going to define full body versus split training. What is the difference? Um, then we're going to talk about why this is even an argument in the first place. Then we're going to dive into all the pros of actually diving into a full body training program. We're going to dive into the hormonal effect of full body training and whether that's legit or a myth. We're going to dive into movement patterns versus body parts. We're going to dive into exercise selection and variation of movement patterns, bridging the gap of compound lifts to accessory work and how to set those up, how to set up your isolation exercises and metabolic finishers. And then I'm going to kind of go over a sample program, which I will actually link to in the show notes of this. So by the end of this podcast, you will not only understand what, why, and how, as far as how to set up the best and most optimal full body training program, but you'll also actually get a free training program from yours truly. And I will link that in the show notes of this podcast. But what we're going to dive into first, as mentioned, is what is a full body split? What is a split training? Uh, So what are full body splits versus split training? I I think it's obvious what a full body training program is. You train your full body each session, right? So this means that we are not just doing half of our body parts. We are actually doing our legs, our upper body, our core, so on and so forth. Um, a split training program is going to be, uh, there's a lot of different splits. So we could say upper lower, we could say push pull legs, we can say bro split where you're doing a body part per day. Uh, so a chest day, chest and tries, back and buys, hamstrings and glutes, quads and calves, abs, for example, and then repeat shoulders one day. Um, that's a bro split. Uh, you can combine some of these things. So you could do a upper lower full. If you only have three days a week to train, um, you could do full body, full body, upper lower. Um, you can do upper lower, upper lower full body, which I actually like that split. There's a lot of different ways. So you can split up training or you can do full body every single day. Um, which one is better? There is no better. Uh, the reality is, is everybody's individual. As you guys know, I'm very, very big on individual individualization inside of coaching, inside of training, inside of nutrition, inside of lifestyle and stress management. I think every single human being is different from a psychological, physiological, and just a lifestyle perspective, right? And because of that, I don't think that we can classify one as better than the other because there's a time and place where each one becomes better, right? There's a time where, uh, uh, like for example, a push-pull legs or a six-day upper-lower rotation is great, Um, Speaking of which, that's exactly what the uh, Built For You program is that launches today, which again, as mentioned earlier, you can grab that at the link in the show notes. But that is a six-day training session. It's an upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. Now, you can do that in one week going Monday through Saturday, or you could go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and that's your full six-day split, meaning your micro cycle isn't seven calendar days. It's actually like 10 calendar days, um, so you can spread that out, but that's a really good – those are two good splits, six-day micro cycles where you're doing upper, lower, upper – or I'm sorry, push-pull legs, push-pull legs, or six upper, lower sessions, three each. Um, those are both really great for a hypertrophy phase. So in a phase where you're going into a surplus when you're trying to build maximum muscle and all you care about is looking bigger – 
being literally just aesthetically bigger, I think that's a great training split. Does that mean you can't build muscle with other splits? No, not at all. But I think in a time where you are driving into a high surplus, that's a really easy way to push volume up higher and achieve hypertrophy. Um, I think in a fat loss phase, that can be beneficial if you decrease the time duration of each session so you're not in the gym too long because too much in a deficit, you're just going to get fatigued and burned out. And I don't think that's a smart approach for stress. Um, I actually like full body splits better for fat loss. Go four or five days a week doing a full body split. Your frequency is going to be higher, meaning muscle protein synthesis is probably going to be higher. Um, you're going to have a greater load per session because you're not as fatigued each session and the list goes on. And, and there's a lot of reasons why full body training can be better for fat loss. And I'm actually going to get into that in the pro. So I don't want to give too many away, but there's a lot of back and forth between the two. So at the end of the day, neither one is better. They're both better in certain situations. There's certain times where upper or split training is better, upper, lower, push, pull legs, a combination of the two, whatever it may be. And there's certain times where full body training just works better. Um, one of those being maybe like a more dynamic setting, an athletic setting. So you're really focusing on movement patterns, um, even a strength base where you just really need to work on the compounds. So maybe you do three or four days a week of full body where you're really just focusing on getting stronger at the compound lifts because you're a competitive power lifter um, or you're an Olympic weightlifter. In those two set scenarios, skill acquisition is very important. You need to get really good at the movement of the Olympic or power lift. Therefore, frequency trumps because you need to be fresh each session and you need to repeat it often. It's like a pitcher. Do you think a pitcher gets amazing at pitching in the major league baseball by pitching once or twice a week? Probably not. He probably throws the ball every damn day. It's a skill. So, there's no better um, going into this. I just want you guys to know that there is no better. There's certain situations where one or the other can be more advantageous, and that's about as far as we can take it. So what are the pros of full body training? Uh, the pros of full body training, uh, number one is going to be work capacity. It's more work within a smaller time frame, meaning your work capacity can improve and you will be forced to push yourself just a bit harder. There's not a ton of legitimate science to back this one up. Uh, it's more anecdote and experience on my part, to be completely honest with you. But I've literally tried every split known to man uh, that I'm aware of <laughs> for the most part. And uh, I can honestly say that nothing pushes my ability to get more work done in a short time frame than a full body training. I've never done a program that pushes my work capacity. And I, you could also say my cardiovascular or my aerobic capacity. So my ability to push the intensity from an effort standpoint and a work capacity standpoint, like full body training does. You work more muscles, more movement patterns, and more energy systems within the time of your session than any other style of training. And that's part of the reason why like functional fitness or CrossFit style training like they're really good at multiple things. Their work capacity is amazing because they're really good at force production, strength, hypertrophy, endurance, muscular endurance, aerobic, anaerobic, like all their energy systems, all their movement patterns, all their intensity zones, they're all being trained constantly. So if that's something you want to accomplish, I think that full body training is great because the work capacity benefit is there. Um, and again, it's just a, it's a big it's a big benefit to athletes in general because of that. So even if you're not in CrossFit and you're playing sports or you want to get great at a sport or you want to be quote unquote fit. Um, in fact, to be completely honest with you guys, I'm shifting. So my photo shoot is in two days when you're listening to this. Um, after this photo shoot, I'm completely shifting gears with my new, I, I set 90 day outcomes every single three months. I might do a full podcast on this and, and kind of share with you guys why I do this, how I do this and what I'm doing in this next 90 days. But I set a goal in every area of my life, and one of those is body, and my goal this time is completely performance-driven, so I'm going to change my training and nutrition and cardio and everything around performance. How can I be faster, stronger, run for longer, be more endurance-based, have a better aerobic capacity? Like I want to be all around more fit, um, and the only way I'm going to do that is by training full body because I need to train these energy systems more regularly and these movement patterns. Um, the second pro. Caloric expenditure. So this one is uh, debated quite heavily. Uh, a lot of people will say training doesn't really make a big influence on energy expenditure. It's more about diet when looking to lose weight. And I would agree with that. 100% agree that I think diet is the uh, diet is always going to be the thing that trumps the rest. It's going to be the thing that creates the biggest uh, benefit or deficit or kind of knock towards losing weight. Like if you're if you're not if you're just relying on training to lose weight, I think you're going to struggle. I think you really need to focus on diet more than anything. Um, I'm going to read a couple studies here though, uh, just like brief studies that I pulled up because there are actually studies that show 
that that's not true. Uh, yes, it is all about your diet and it does help to have a diet locked in, but training does make a difference and not just training in general. Yes, obviously training makes a difference. If you train, you're going to lose fat faster because you need some type of uh, caloric expenditure and muscular adaptation and activation. You have to fire your muscles in order to enhance muscle growth, strength, performance, energy, expenditure, so on and so forth. But um, it's more than just burning calories. Uh, From a training perspective, it's how you train and full body kind of trumps here. So I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but uh, Heke, in 2010 compared a three times per week full body program with a body part split where each muscle was trained only once per week. The full body group saw a 0.8 increase in fat-free mass, so that's like muscle growth, and a 3.8% decrease in body fat percentage, whereas the body part split group saw only a 0.4 increase in fat-free mass and a 2.2% decrease in body fat percentage. So this means that the full body group not only increased muscle mass, but they decreased more body fat in the process. Um, and yes, this was a, obviously a recomp, which shows that it, it is obviously realistic, not realistic. I shouldn't say that because it's not realistic. It's very hard to accomplish, but it's obviously possible. Um, and that's not a massive difference, right? Like if we really look at the grand scheme of things, a 3.8% decrease in body fat percentage, which we don't know the mean weight in the study. So who knows how much that actually is versus a 2.2% decrease in body fat. So it's not a uh, statistical significant difference, as they would say, um, but it was, this is the cool part, it was also done in advanced individuals in a four-week setting. So for only four weeks, that's quite a bit of fat loss. Regardless of anything, four weeks, any fat loss is great, especially when the individuals are advanced, not to mention that they recomped in this process. Um, the, the, the argument I would make against the fat-free mass, I, I would say we're focusing on the, f- the fat loss here. Um, and that's the whole point of this quote unquote pro is that I'm saying it's going to burn more calories. You're likely going to lose more weight, more fat on a full body program because of the energy expenditure. Um, doesn't mean you can't lose weight in an upper lower split or push pull legs. So I have plenty of clients who do. And if getting enough adequate volume in is more important because you're a bodybuilder and you need to maintain as much muscle mass as possible during a cut, it might show to be more advantageous to do push pull legs for some scenario, uh, for some individuals or upper lower, whatever allows you to get more volume. And that's why I don't want you to look at the increase in fat-free mass being bigger, even though it was so small in the full body versus the split training, because the body bar split was in the study was trained once per week. So we can completely rule this this percentage out for anybody who's doing upper, lower, or push-pull legs because the frequency goes up, which means the volume goes up. So if volume was equated, maybe this would be different. I'd also argue, too, that the people training a muscle once per week probably use lighter loads because as you get fatigued in a, in a uh, session, so if you're doing a chest day, you might start with heavy bench. Well, by the time you get 30 minutes in your session, your chest is fatigued and you just keep hammering your chest, your total volume is going to lower. Whereas this full body group, maybe they only did one uh, round, so three sets of chest each day in their sessions, but they lifted way heavier because their chest wasn't fatigued every time. Therefore, their volume was actually greater. So I think we can't really look at the fat-free mass increase on this, but we can look at the the even larger than the fat-free mass, the percentage of body fat percentage lost because there was more, and especially that they're advanced individuals. Um, so here's another one, uh, Kruther et al., not sure if I pronounce his name right either, 2016 performed a study on rugby players doing three workouts per week as either full body or upper lower fashion. So the weekly training frequency was three times versus 1.5 times. The full body group lost more fat and gained a small amount more muscle, 1.1% versus uh, 0.4% fat-free mass. So once again, not a huge difference, but advanced athletes training upper lower versus full body, and they seem to grow a li- or uh, burn a little bit more calories, um, and they lost more fat. So again, not huge, not crazy, because the reality of this is though, like that might not be much. But if we look at a uh, study, I don't know what that last one. I don't see how long it was, but the first one was four weeks long. Well, let's look at twelve, sixteen, or twenty-four weeks long a more realistic client-based setting. If we're doing a full body routine for longer and we have that 3.8% decrease in body fat percentage, like, and it keeps going and that's an advanced lifters, that might add up to something. So if we're looking at something that's longer than four weeks and we're looking at doing even more volume, so these programs are doing three times a week. Imagine if you're doing full body training plus a smart diet four times a week, five times a week, and you're doing it for 12, 16, 20 weeks, I can almost guarantee that the energy expenditure is going to add up a lot more than it would have in the cases of these scenarios. So uh, my point with this is, is, and again, 
everybody knows here, I like upper lower splits. I write upper lower splits. I often do those more. So I do upper lower splits and push pull legs, things like that much more often than I do full body splits because for me, it allows me to get more volume in more easily. But this, this podcast is about the pros and the benefits and how to create a great full body split. I have a lot of people listening to this who do CrossFit, who do functional training, who just enjoy full body training. And if I'm being completely honest, I do too. It keeps me more engaged. It's more high paced. It's more dynamic. I can switch up more variations and I have a lot of fun with it. So every once in a while, I do like following a solid 12 to 16 week full body program. And that's why I'm going over the pros and cons. So this isn't me. I, and I just have to clarify this because I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm pigeonholing myself or like saying that this is the way, because as you guys know, everything fucking depends. There is no way there's many ways. Um, so right now, as I talk about these pros, like me saying caloric expenditure is one of the pros. Yes, I am saying that it's more likely to burn higher amount of calories per session doing a full body training session. It makes sense. You're hitting more movement patterns, you're doing more frequency, you have more muscle groups working per session, which is literally going to lead to more energy expenditure from a muscular basis. Not only that, but just the fact that your heart rate gets up higher when you superset, like imagine supersetting a dumbbell bench press and a seated cable row. Great. Build muscle, volume. It's a great superset. I love it. Now, Imagine supersetting a double kettlebell front racked reverse lunge, a weight vest inverted row with a TRX, and uh, an ab wheel. That's actually what I did this morning. Brutal. Way more brutal than a bench press and a seated row. Not saying it's going to build more muscle, but I'm saying it's more brutal. Your heart rate's going up through the roof. There is a metabolic factor here, and I'm working more muscles. I'm working literally calves, quads, glutes, and back, and chest, and abs. Like it's just, it's more, um, you're going to burn more calories. So, so pro number two was caloric expenditure. Pro number three, higher training frequency. This is another reason why full body training may actually be great for fat loss. Um, well more so muscle maintenance during fat loss. And the reason I say this is simple. The more often we train a muscle, the more often we send it, uh, the muscle protein synthetic response for it to grow. So if we are in a deficit, we're not trying to grow. What good is the signal? Maintenance. And we need to send a growth signal if we want to maintain muscle as great as possible. That's why I always say the best way to maintain muscle during a cut is to try and grow it. So although we are not sending the signal to expect gains, we are sending the signal often enough to maintain gains. And one great way to maintain gains is not only lifting heavy or having high volume, but it's also having a high frequency. So you're stimulating that response more often. Um, and that's really the big key here with higher training frequency. Um, I would say in some scenarios as well, you might have a higher volume with a full body training program. And some people will argue this and say like, and I think the reason people argue this is because usually when people think full body training, they think, oh, you're doing three days a week, you're doing the compound lift. So you do a squat, a deadlift, a bench, an overhead press with chin up, like you repeat it. And that's like the golden era stuff. And that's when this started. And that's how quote unquote Arnold built his body, which he ended up switching to a split eventually anyway. But, um, it's true. They did do things like that, but they also didn't have the exercise index that we have today. Um, and you can create more aesthetics with more exercise variations and you can, uh, manage recovery better because you're not just doing the compound lifts. Um, so part of the reason higher training frequency is important is because we have that anabolic response, muscle protein synthesis happening more frequently throughout the week. But the other reason for this is your volume may actually be able to grow. So if you're doing a good four or five day full body training program, think about it like this. If I'm doing an upper body day and I start with bench press, then I go into a pen lay row, then maybe a chin up, then I'm doing dumbbell overhead press. uh, Then I'm doing some lateral raises and some curls and tricep extensions. I've hit chest, shoulders, lats, traps, rear delts, uh, side delts, uh, biceps, triceps, everything, right? But there's carryover across all these. Um, even in a pull down or a chin up or a pull up, when you're overhead ex- in an overhead extension doing a pull down, you actually do work the fibers of your pecs. Um, when you do a bench press, you are working your traps and your lats if you're doing it properly. When you do a lateral raise, you're working a little bit of traps, rear delts, side delts, anterior delts. When you're doing bench, you're using some side, mainly anterior, so front delts, a lot of chest, triceps. Uh, when you're doing rows and chins, you're doing biceps. So even though it's isolating to the shoulder, to the chest, to the trap, whatever, you are carrying over quite a bit of muscles. So as the session goes on, your fatigue goes up and the ability to lift heavier goes down. Inside of a full body training, I am mixing quad, glute, hamstring, 
chest, shoulders, lats. So I'm not doing as much volume per muscle in this session, but it's more likely that I'm having less carryover volume and that may lead to heavier weights being lifted. And as we know, true volume, if we look at it from a powerlifting tonnage perspective, it's sets times reps times weight. So if that's the case and I'm spreading my, uh, instead of doing an upper lower split, I'm spreading my chest volume across the week, I might actually have more volume because my loads are heavier and it makes up for that. Um, something to think about. So that's that's the big thing with that um, as far as high, higher training frequency inside of a full body split. The only thing I will say as a caveat to remember too is there are benefits to having a singular focus inside of a session. So if my focus is upper body or even on a push day, the less muscles I have to focus on per session, potentially the better mind-muscle connection I might have, more time under tension, which we know isn't the end-all be-all, but it is a factor in, in accumulating lactate, uh, lactic acid, metabolites, blood flow, oxygen to the muscle, things that do make it grow. And then also just having mental focus for execution. So if I'm sitting there doing a push day, I can spend more time doing just my chest work and I can really, really focus on form and execution and getting a pump and having that mind-muscle connection. If I switch from a bench press to a row to a lunge, now I'm focusing on so many different muscles. By the time I get a connection, if I do, I'm moving on to the next superset that has three different muscle groups that I don't even, I can't even comprehend trying to activate my muscle with. Um, and, and it's for that reason why I think sometimes for a beginner, there's arguments to say for a beginner, full body is better because you can just focus on the skeletal movements, keep things simple, so on and so forth. And then, but for a beginner, anything works. Um, and then there's also an argument that for beginners, it wouldn't be the best because if a beginner has trouble activating muscles and properly executing exercises, I'd actually probably rather them have an upper body split, upper lower split, so they can sit there and just focus on their upper body for an hour. Um, so it goes both ways. But if we're just talking about full body, which that's the point of this podcast is there is a higher frequency element to it. And that may allow you to have more muscle protein synthetic response going on throughout the week, which could help maintain muscle during a cut. Um, it might allow you to have more volume depending on who you are and how you train, uh, and your energy levels and your fatigue levels throughout a training session. Um, and it may actually allow, uh, for more load lifted. So intensity strength built per session as well. The caveat is if you need that focus per muscle group, it's probably better to split it out. Um, and this is actually one of the reasons like you got to think about like people always say like, why are CrossFitters, like some CrossFitters are just huge and they don't train like a bodybuilder. Well, their volume and frequency is through the roof. Their, their volume is through the roof because their frequency is high. So they train five days a week full body, meaning they're touching each muscle group throughout the week. So their loads are heavier. Their volume is heavier, right? And if you look at the places that are usually the biggest, that's where the most volume is. Quads, traps, and shoulders are usually the three places that are just massive. Lots of carries, lots of cleans, lots of rope climbs, um, lots of squats, walking lunges, assault bike rower, things that create lactate in, in the quads. So those areas are usually biggest. Pro number four, it allows a little bit more flexibility inside your training. Um, I think this is low on the totem pole. I don't think it's something to uh, be too attached to, but it is something to think about. Um, so if you think about like the fact that you're hitting all movements and muscle groups, it makes it really easy to just focus on the fundamental movements. And if you don't have a gym, if you're at a hotel, if you're, you got to change gyms, it can be really easy. Push, pull, hip, knee, core, right? Do something for a push, do something for a pull, do something knee dominant, do something hip dominant, do something for your core. You've hit every movement pattern. Is that perf perfectly progressing in the program you're in? Probably not. Um, is it going to be overload compared to the last session? No, not at all, but it's better than going somewhere and being like, I literally can't do anything because they don't have what I have access to. Um, you can kind of stick to the strip. It just has a little bit more flexibility. It makes it a little bit easier. And in the case where you're a busy individual and you don't ever even know how many times a week you can train, usually you train four days a week, but let's say that uh, something happens at work and you skip a day and then you skip the next day because family stuff happens and you only train twice this week. Well, at least you still got your frequency. You still hit your main movements. You took care of your body from a movement perspective, meaning you're practicing the right movements and you didn't leave any muscle groups out completely. Whereas if you were doing a push pull legs, let's say you hit push pull and then shit hit the fan and you just never hit your legs. Like now we're missing complete movement patterns and complete body parts. Again, not something that we want to hang our hat on, but it's something to consider. It's a pro, and I'm trying to go over the pros right now. 
The last pro is going to be skill acquisition. Um, this is actually a big one, especially for beginners. And this is why I actually would say that doing a full body can be full body program can be good for beginners or anyone who has really just skipped a phase in their training career, just simply getting good at the lifting. Cause it, it really is a skill. Um, and going back to the pitcher analogy, like think about becoming a great pitcher. Do you think they just pitched once a week? Probably not. Or a professional skateboarder. This one's actually really funny. Do you think they practice kickflips on Tuesdays and that's it? They do a, the bro split of skateboarding. You just kickflip on Tuesdays. No, they fucking, and I used to skateboard. When you want to learn how to do a kickflip, you do a kickflip every single day. And you usually sit there and do it over and over and over again until you get the pop, you get the flip, you get the catch, you get the landing. And you just repeat it. It's the same thing with, with squatting and benching and deadlifting. You have to build that skill over time. Um, and frequency builds skill acquisition the best. So if you want to become really proficient at it and you want to neurologically adapt because powerlifting, skill acquisition, uh, a lot of strength training in general is very neurological, you do need to train it with more frequency. And that's one of the benefits of full body training. So the next thing I was going to bring up is the hormonal effect of full body training. We hear this a lot where people are like, you got to do full body lifts because that's how we uh, influence testosterone growth hormone. Um, we get that big insulin like growth factor spike um, and we can optimize cortisol as well. Like, eh, yes, um, the cortisol thing is going to happen regardless of your training because the reality is, is uh, training in general pushes cortisol up when cortisol goes up intensity goes up so on and so forth. But it's a stress response. So we want to bring that back down, but that's not just from full body. Testosterone in general is based on more high intensity. So it's kind of, again, regardless of it, growth hormone, same thing, insulin, same thing. The, at the end of the day, like this is one of those, it's not a myth because the reality is it's true. Uh, what research actually shows is that generally it is just high intensity, high volume, maximal effort resistance training that leads to increases in these hormones, which will contribute to muscle growth. It is important. Uh, there was a study, um, that did this and talked about this and it informed us on the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that squats don't have this effect, but it also didn't even use squats. I believe they actually used like leg press as an example in the study that I'm, that I'm talking about, um, so on and so forth. So it's not about the exercise. It's not about the training split. It's about the intensity provided. So if we look at a bicep curl versus a barbell bench press or a dumbbell reverse lunge versus a squat, what do we think is going to be higher intensity, higher load with more volume? The squat or the bench press, not the curl or the reverse lunge. Why? Because there's more working muscle groups in each of those movements and there's more load being applied, which means volume and the effort applied is higher. Therefore, those things, that intensity of what we are doing, the effort behind what we are doing is actually what creates the hormonal response to training, which is basically growth hormone, testosterone, so on and so forth, increasing, um, cortisol increasing, so on and so forth. But Again, it has nothing to do with the full body split. As much as I wish back in the day, and I fell for this, they would do those like full body programs to optimize growth hormone. And you're like, oh shit, I got a squat bench and deadlift in the same day to do that. And it's like, no, you don't. You just have to lift heavy. You just got to lift heavy. Um, that's all it is. So the hormonal effect of training is legit. It being more related to full body versus any other split is a myth. The reality is, is the intensity, the volume, and the, the level of effort, so how close you are to going max intensity, max effort, that's what creates this hormonal response. So next, we got to dive into movement patterns over body parts slash muscle groups. Uh, when I was in school for training and health and being a coach, um, uh, I went to Highline College and my professor, Tim Vagan, left me with something that I would never forget. And it's mainly from a functional perspective. And I think if you can really hone in on this, I think you're going to be much better off inside of program design. It really allows you to connect aesthetics and performance to movement quality and how the body is actually supposed to function. So it came down to five key movement patterns, push pull, hip hinge, knee flexion, spinal movement. If you do this, you literally accomplish everything you need. So let's go through those. Push, chest, shoulders, triceps. Pull, traps, rear delts, rhomboids, lats, biceps. Hip hinge, glutes, hamstrings, erector, spinae. So spinal erectors, low back. Well, they technically go all the way up your back, but you get the point. Knee flexion, quads, hip flexors. 
spinal rotation and or flexion. So spinal movement is more than just movement in general. It's mainly rotation and or flexion or stability. Rectus abdominis, obliques, intercostals, etc. So if we break this down into a program, now we really have like a press, a row, a RDL, a lunge, and a sit-up plus a carry. Or we have an overhead press, a chin-up, a hip thrust, a squat, and a Russian twist with a plank. Right now, I'm, I'm going through this, and if we look at full body, we're literally hitting everything. Um, so when you do this, you're not missing any muscle groups. You're not missing any type of pattern. You're not missing any type of movement. You're not missing any type of skill. You're literally touching on everything. And then the only thing left from here is any extra. And we're going to get into accessory works and isolation and metabolic. But for you to give you a little preview about what's about to come or a tease, if we do all these movements, we've hit our big gross motor movements, we've hit our compounds, we've done everything we need to do. And if we have a little bit more time, then we can focus on isolating elbow flexion, which is going to be a bicep curl. We can focus on plantar flexion, which is going to be a calf raise. We can do things like lateral raises, shoulder abduction. Those are fundamental movement patterns that we need to do. However, they come in second place. Push, pull, hip hinge, knee flexion, and spinal movement come first. Those are the fundamental patterns that will allow us to survive, especially because if we pull something, we are still getting some elbow flexion. We're still getting some bicep, but we're not isolating the biceps. So for aesthetic purposes, you can definitely go further. But if you just focus on what we used to always say is push, pull, hip, knee, core. Push, pull, hip, knee, core. Those five things, you're sold. You're done. You're good. That's a full body movement pattern. It's a full body program right there. Um, and if you do that, even just two to three times a week, we have a higher frequency. You're doing more movements. And that's if you really look at good training programs, good fundamental, like classic full body programs, if you look at them, it's always a push, a pull, a hip hinge, and a knee flexion. And if they're smart, they'll add some kind of spinal rotation, flexion, or stability, which is always going to be like a sit-up, a rotational drill, or anti-rotation. It's going to be carry, something like that. So once we kind of covered that, um, it, we can dive into actually selecting different exercises. The movement patterns over body parts and muscle groups is really just a theory and a concept for you to grab onto because it helps you better understand not only how to exercise select, but also to understand how your body's actually supposed to move. And going back to that flexibility piece, which was a pro of the full body, it allows you to say like, fuck, I don't have a gym. I'm in a hotel. I'm at home. I don't have this. What am I going to do? Cool. Do a bodyweight squat, a bodyweight bridge, a push-up, some kind of row, which could even be, and I've done this before, literally taking water bottles in your hand, lying on the floor, and doing YTIs. So basically posterior flies with it, reverse flies, Y raises, face pulls, things like that with water bottles. I know they're only a pound or two, but do enough reps with them. Find a mind-to-muscle connection and focus on external rotation of your shoulder. Your upper back will be burning. Just because you're not pulling a cable or a TRX or, or a barbell doesn't mean you're not doing a row. If you're doing scapular retraction, you are doing a row. So you can look at these movement patterns and you can get way more done in, in damn near any scenario. Um, when we look at exercise selection and the variation of movements, there's kind of a few things that we got to dive into. Um, obviously, you know I'm going to provide a link in the show notes so you have a list of these so you guys can actually take things away and use them for your programming. But um, this is where I tend to differ from most individuals in the scientific and the muscle building space because I put much more merit into exercise selection than most do. Um, in fact, I think you guys have probably noticed this by listening to my podcast and some of the people I've interviewed, Austin Current, uh, Joe Bennett, the hypertrophy coach. Um, I don't think this podcast, this podcast will air before you'll hear this one, but um, Jordan Shallow, the muscle doc, people like that, like I've had this conversation with in, in a lot of, I'm not different from a lot of these guys, um, but I am different than what you see in research if you only look at research from a numbers perspective. Most simply look at research on volume intensity and they classify those two things as the standalone keys to physique development. In my mind, I don't think we are, most individuals at least, aren't even capable of progressing or utilizing either of those tools, being volume and intensity, effectively if exercise selection isn't on point. The reason I think this way is because you can create volume. Uh, you, can't, you can't create effective volume if you can't execute a movement properly, right? You can't create muscular tension, muscular activation, proper movement patterns. You, if you can't do any of that stuff, how are you even accomplishing good volume? 
You're not because when you do volume, who knows where that volume is being placed? Some of it is still being placed on the target muscle, but not all of it. So now you have a systemic fatigue going up, but you do not have a muscular fatigue going up. And muscular fatigue is what we want. We want more muscular fatigue, less nervous system fatigue, right? Because that's how we can recover from training and still build muscle. So even in a muscular uh, fat loss, muscle building set uh, scenario, strength doesn't really matter. My point with this being is you should really prioritize exercise selection more so than most individuals make you believe because you should learn how to do the movements properly, feel the muscles you're trying to target, and then calculate volume. Because a lot of studies show that volume intensity is really important. So people, what they do is they say, oh, okay, I need this many sets in order to grow my physique. Cool. I'm just going to make sure I do 15 sets of every body part. And they're picking the wrong exercises. They're jumbling up the order of the uh, operations inside of each session. So the order, the exercise sequencing is off. And the exercises they're doing don't actually work for their biomechanics very well. So now we're in this position where we're doing all these things and it's not adding up to the result that we expected based on the calculation we created. Rather, learn how to activate a muscle, find the exercises that work for you, master the movement skill, and then track to see how much volume you're doing. If you're not already growing add volume. If you're already growing, just keep it there until you stop and then add volume. Um, so I'm really, really big on that. But, um, I, I, and, I, and the big thing is I just want people to avoid having junk volume. Um, but in that's point number one with the topic of exercise selection and why it's so important. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I really like full body training is because it allows us a higher frequency, which allows us to not get overuse different exercise selection and have more freedom of exercise selection. Going even further than that, uh, we're going to start with the compound lifts, um, bench, squat, deadlift, overhead press. But within that, you have to decide what movements work best for you. So for example, back squat versus front squat. If back squats always create pain or you, you get stuck because your, your lumbar gives out, whatever it may be, yeah, you should probably work on some mobility and fix that problem. But in the meantime, if we're trying to train for aesthetics, you still need to train. So switch to a front squat. Um, deadlifts. Everybody has different hip structures. So you can work your ass off to try to get comfortable and lift heavy in a sumo. But if conventionals or trap bars just work better for you, go with those. Work on building strength. Overhead press. If you can do an overhead press, great. If you can't, do a kettlebell press. Do a dumbbell press. Find movements that work for you. But my point with this is, is these are the ones you actually want to stick with. So inside of creating the most effective full body program, these are your staples that you're going to work on progressive overload with. So we might have way more variation more often within our exercise selection and in uh, periodization of uh, the accessory and isolation works, meaning we might not stick with the accessory movement for more than two, three, four weeks, but we'll stick with a compound for 12 weeks, right? I want you to continually grow. I usually like a linear approach um, over the course of anywhere between, I, I say eight to 12 weeks, but realistically, as long as you can progress. So a linear approach is pretty simple. Um, let's say you start at four sets of 10 at 200 pounds. Next week, you go four sets of nine at 205. You add five pounds, you drop a rep. Week three, you go four sets of eight at 210. Add five pounds, drop a rep. And you keep doing that until you're at five. So now at that point, you're at four sets of five at 225. Then you take a deload week, you'll drop the intensity by a little bit. Maybe you stick to about 185 pounds, so you're dropping the load quite a bit, um, and you're doing like three sets of eight to 10, some volume work. Then the week, the next week, week eight, you're on a new cycle. You have four sets of 10 again, but now you're going 205, 210 pounds. So five weeks ago, six weeks ago, you were doing four sets of 10 at 200, and now, uh, let's say six, seven weeks later, you're doing four sets of 10 at 205, 210. Five to 10 pounds heavier. It doesn't seem like much, but over time, that is great. The thing with this is, is you can't accomplish that level of progressive overload and that level of strength progression and therefore hypertrophy progression if you are switching up your compound lifts all the damn time. So if you want to get, and this is actually one thing I will say about good CrossFit programming. If you look at it, they'll have a squat cycle that lasts a long time. 20 weeks, they're progressing on a squat. Everything else inside their training changes, which is part of the sport. They have to, but their compound lift they're working on does not change. Whether it's a clean and jerk, whether it's a squat, they'll stick with that and they'll change the Metcon. In our scenario for building the most effective full body training program, especially for aesthetics, we're not doing Metcons, we're doing accessory work and stuff like that. Those things can change on a weekly, bi-weekly, or every third week session. I like changing them every two to three weeks simply out of boredom. If you're doing the fundamental movement patterns we already talked about, push, pull, hip, knee, core, you don't really have to worry too much about changing these too often because we're not trying to accomplish progressive overload for 12 weeks on a dumbbell lunge. Most people, 
full transparency, I am right now, but I'm not squatting heavy because I just had knee surgery five, six months ago. Um, so my compound lift is a split squat. But my point being is like we can change accessory movements more often and just focus on the movement pattern and stimulating the muscles needed versus the compound lifts we want to just keep. Bench, bench, deadlift, squat, overhead press. Find your variation that works best for you. Stick to a pattern. So if you want to go for strength, maybe you start at like six reps and you go six, five, four, three, two, back to six. If you're more focused on aesthetics, maybe you go from 10 to six. So 10, nine, eight, seven, six, deload, repeat, and you're just adding weight. But a linear, classic linear approach is simply dropping volume, increasing intensity over time, and then cycling back and repeating the process. So over time, you get stronger and stronger. Now, as we go through this, um, there's quite a bit in this, and uh, in, in as you guys might know, you might not know, I dropped a blog on this, so the blog is the blueprint of this podcast, and I'm actually going to drop a link to that, and I want you guys to go read it, because beyond this point, I dive into specific exercise selection, so we've gone over kind of the importance of full body programming and how the mindset going into it is, then you have to pick your your compound lifts, but before you pick your compound lifts, um, or I should say after you pick your compound lifts, you have to do your pre-exercise activation before you actually do them. So you've picked your compound lifts. Now you have to set up a way in order to do the pre-exercise activation to prepare for that. So for example, I put these in the blog that you guys can actually steal from me, but for a squat, do some kind of leg curl, do some kind of jump squat, do some kind of face pull, and then do some kind of uh, anti-rotation. So when we do anti-rotation for our core, we increase internal external rotation of the hip. It's going to allow us to get deeper in a squat with more stability. When we do a face pull, we're externally rotating our shoulders and we're getting our upper back fired. So if you're doing a back squat or a front squat, you want your upper back working loose and ready and external rotation of your shoulders to be uh, practiced because that allows you to rack the bar on your back or in a front rack position better. The jump squat is simple. We want to be explosive in the squat pattern because it, it reinforces the nervous system. It primes the nervous system to be more explosive in the squat movement pattern, which we're about to do in a loaded fashion. And then prior to that, we do the leg curl. Um, this is a classic West Side barbell uh, method, but just firing up your getting some blood flow and getting some uh, a little bit of a pump in your hamstrings seems to allow a little bit of more ease on your knees and allows you to get a little bit deeper in the squat without putting so much pressure or tension on the knees. Um, if you're doing a bench, some kind of band polar bar, some kind of row, something to upper back, uh, isolate your upper back. Again, external rotation. You can also do some uh, like lat work too. I like combining a pull apart with a straight arm pull down because now I can get my upper back working, get my lats working. Everything that supports my scapula to allow me to hold a heavy bar over my chest, I'm firing. Um, you can do some kind of throw or plyo push prior, which is the same idea as the squat. We're being explosive in the same horizontal pressing pattern to reinforce and prime the nervous system. And then lastly, do some kind of bottoms up carry. So you're walking, your heart rate's going, you're moving, um, you're getting your core temperature up, but you're doing a core drill that also reinforces shoulder stability because you have an unstable uh, object in your hand while you're walking. Um, and then deadlift is very similar to the squat. Overhead press is very similar to the bench. You can change things up a little bit. For example... I might focus a little bit more on lats with the overhead press. So I might do a slam versus a throw. So I'm moving in the complete opposite direction as an overhead press, but I'm slamming through the floor um, for the explosive movement. And like for the deadlift, I'm probably not going to do a ton of hamstrings. I might do a little bit more glutes. Uh, it's a more glute dominant movement if you're doing a, a sumo, a conventional, or a trap bar deadlift. And it takes a little bit of pressure out of the low back when we get our glutes fired before deadlifting. Um, and we'll change uh, the face pull to a straight arm pull down to get my lats engaged because that's going to help scapular depression and stability during the exercise versus upper back. Um, so there's a lot of little things you can do, but the point is, is you're doing actual resistance training before your compounds. So you might want to do some kind of activation of specific musculature. You might want to do some unilateral training because it reinforces stability of your joints. So there's things that we should be doing. You should be getting a sweat on. You should be getting a pump. You should be doing these things prior to even jumping into your compounds because it allows you to perform better and safer inside those compounds. Um, so now that we've covered compounds, we've covered uh, the activation process. Um, I'm not going to dive into all the different variations of exercises because I'm going to, I have a table built out inside of the um, uh, blog that gives you all the different variations of the best accessory movements. Because essentially what we do here inside of building the perfect program for a full body training program, um, lost my train of thought there, is simple. We need to go through the exercise sequencing properly, which we've just talked about. We have some kind of activation, which is going to 
activate our musculature. It's going to get our joints warmed up and ready for movement, and it's going to prime our nervous system to lift. Then we're going to go into our progressive overload-based compound lift. After that, we go into accessory work. So accessory work is simple. What do we need to do in order to improve the squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press? These things can change more frequently, but they should be targeting the things you are weak in. For example, if your weak point is the bottom of the squat, do things that are going to reinforce that movement. So maybe you are doing front-loaded squats as an accessory. It can be a goblet squat or a laminate squat that allows you to get really deep in that squat, pause, hold, create tension, and pop out of it explosively. You could also do a step up on a high box. If you look at your leg when you're in the position of your knee uh, in full flexion while your foot's on top of the box and your other foot's on the ground before you actually do the rep, your glute is in the stretch position, your knee is in maximally flexed position. So you're practicing maximum knee flexion with maximum glute stretched uh, cycle. This is perfect for the bottom of the squat. It's literally the bottom of the squat in a unilateral position. So you can do that. You can do a Bulgarian split squat. Um, But there's so many variations. The point is, is you got to pick what works for you. So reverse forward lunge, walking lunge, static split squat, elevated split squats, uh, step ups, walking lunge, pistol squats, leg extensions. If you just need to build your quad muscles, calf raises, if you need more dorsi and plantar flexion inside your ankle, if ankle mobility is what is lacking. So there's so many different things. And the same goes with deadlift, RDLs, stiff legs, single legs, interior lunges, leg curls, list goes on bench overhead press, same thing. And I think inside the bench, people would be surprised that a lot of what I put inside of the accessory work is rows. Um, but if you don't have a strong back, good luck on building a big bench or overhead press. Um, but the point with this is simple. We've done our due diligence to do the, the, the mandatory things inside this program. We've done our warm up, but we're not even going to talk about that today. We've done our exercise activation. So we're priming for the compound. We've done our compound, which is the most important aspect of our session. This is a, the main focus of the session. Even though it's full body, if it's bench day, it's bench day. That's our main focus. Next, we have our accessory work. So we have to pick the exercise that work best for us. And then we have to, and this is where I actually am a little bit different than a lot of people. Then we have to place these exercises on different days. So this is where I differ from a lot of people. What a lot of people will do is go, oh, it's deadlift day, so I'm going to do my deadlift, then I'm going to do my RDL, then I'm going to do my hip thrust. So it is a full body day, so maybe I throw in and sprinkle some uh, rows and and push-ups and stuff like that, but if it's a deadlift day, I'm going to do my deadlift, and then I'm going to do my accessory for my deadlift. I prefer to do my accessory for my deadlift on my squat day and my accessory for my overhead press on my bench day. So now we have a higher frequency and we have better skill acquisition to do it because if I do my bench press and then I go, okay, now I'm going to do dumbbell flies or a dumbbell floor press or a dumbbell bench press because I have blood flow in my chest. I just worked my chest. Now I want to build my, my bench better with the supplemental work, the accessory work, right? Like that makes sense. And it does in theory. But if I take that, that movement the dumbbell bench press or fly, and I put it on a different day, I'm going to be able to increase the load because I didn't just bench press. So I'm less fatigued. I have more energy. I'm, I'm fresher for that movement. My load's going to be higher. My ability to perform that movement because my skill acquisition is better is going to be higher. And I'm probably going to have more total volume per week. And my frequency is going to be higher. So now what we do is we might go Monday squat, follow that up with a hip thrust or RDL. Tuesday is bench we are going to follow that up with a over dumbbell overhead press and a chin-up. So regardless, you're working your back every day. The Thursday, let's say, is a deadlift day. I'm going to follow that up with a step-up or a reverse lunge or a split squat, something to help my squat. And then on Saturday, the last day of the week inside my training session, I'm doing an overhead press, and I'm going to have uh, the accessory work be a dumbbell bench press superseted with maybe a T-bar row or something. So now I've taken... Each compound lift, that's my main focus that I have done activation for. So we have our activation specific for our compound, and then we have our compound. And then after the compound, we have an accessory movement for the same half body on a different day. What I mean by half body is if you're doing a squat day, your first accessory is still going to be a lower body movement because we do want to take advantage of the hypertrophy factor that we just did a lower body movement, but we want to do it in a way that we're increasing frequency by picking an accessory for a different lift. Um, after that, we switched up to the opposite side of the body. So oftentimes what I will do is superset this. One of the beauties of doing full body is that you can superset more things, leads to a greater frequency, more work capacity done, and a higher energy expenditure, and you're not in the gym for as long. So I might superset that RDL I did after my squat with a single arm dumbbell bridged press or a single arm landmine press, half kneeling. Either way, I'm doing some type of press, which is going to aid both my bench 
and my overhead press. See, so now I've picked my lower body movement. So I hope you guys are following me. I know I'm talking pretty fast, but this stuff fires me up. And, and this, is, this is why full body, true full body programming is much more difficult than an upper lower or a push pull legs or just a hypertrophy program that you're just slapping volume in. It's much, it takes much more creative thinking. So we've done the activation, the hamstring curls, all that stuff. We've done our squat, which is our main movement. Then we do an RDL, which is actually building our deadlift that's on another day, but we're hitting some frequency to build that deadlift on a different day. I superset that with an angled press. A half-kneeling landmine press, for example. What does that work? Well, it works a little bit in my chest, a little bit in my shoulders, and a little bit of my triceps while practicing a lot of stability being in the half-kneeling position. Perfect. That's actually going to be a supplement and accessory work for both my bench press and my overhead press. Worked on a mainly lower body day, which is the squat day, right? So as you can see, we're starting to do things a little bit differently by increasing our ability to do these compounds across the week versus just sticking to, oh, it's, it's full body, but it's mainly squat day. So everything's going to be geared towards squat today, everything geared towards deadlift the next day. Um, and we're doing a higher variation of movements. So now throughout the week, I don't repeat movements. I am doing an angled press, an overhead press, a horizontal press. I'm doing a horizontal press with hips extended, hips flexed. I'm doing all these different things. And that's the beauty of functional training is when you can take your body through different movement patterns while isolating muscle groups in different joint positions. So a, a good example is uh, I, I'm really excited for him that his first publication was just released. My good friend, Chris Bearcat, uh, he had a publication release that showed they did it on the bicep curl, but I would imagine this applies to anything. The bicep curl done for nine sets, same total volume uh, in a neutral shoulder position. So just regular standing curl. Then they did it with shoulders extended. So imagine you are on a inclined bench, your shoulders are pulled back into the bench and you're letting your shoulders go into hyperextension while you do the curls. Uh, then they did one with shoulders neutral, so standing up, and then they did a spider curl, so shoulders flexed, like a preacher curl, elbows in front of you. Same volume, so nine total sets in the group that did just shoulder neutral, and then three sets per uh, joint position, so there's three joint positions, so same total volume, nine sets, same weight, so on and so forth, but it was done in different joint positions, and that allowed the muscle to grow more because they were changing the position of the joint, meaning they were changing the resistance curve placed on the muscle, which is really, really cool, and it shows us that we shouldn't just squat, 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 squat. We should do a squat. We should do a knee extension. We should do a uh, reverse lunge. We should practice different forms of hip and knee extension to target the quads. That's what's going to stimulate maximal growth, uh, energy output, work capacity, strength development, everything. Um, so yeah, now we have isolation and metabolic finishes. Really easy. There's not much to talk about here. If you still have time, if you've done your 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 uh, exercise activation, you have done your compound lift, you have done your accessories, which is usually one to two supersets. So you might do a, a, the example I was giving on a squat day, an RDL supersetted with a half kneeling landmine press. And then maybe you do a quad dominant movement after that, that is centered towards a squat. Maybe you're doing a split squat or a walking lunge. And that is actually going to be another good example of something like a walking lunge or a Bulgarian split squat. It's going to help your squat and your deadlift. Um, but we superset that with a two-point row, a two-part row. So maybe a, a neutral grip T-bar row and a chest-supported posterior fly. Like literally just light up your entire back. So that's not even a superset. It's a tricep, three exercises in a row. Once we've done all that, if you're like, you know what? I still have 10 minutes to go. Perfect. Let's add an isolation or a metabolic finisher. Maybe that's the assault bike. Maybe it's sprints. Maybe it's carries. Maybe it's isolating your abs. Maybe it's uh, an EDT. So it's an AMRAP of curls and dips and lateral raises, isolating your shoulders and arms. Maybe it's more glute work. So you're doing hip thrust finishers. There's so many ways we can spin it. But the point is, is we don't absolutely need these isolation and metabolic finishers, but they can enhance our physique and the results we see. Therefore, we should do them at the end if we still have time. And that's what we do at the end of this. Now, like I said, to wrap this up, guys, I do have a sample program. Um, it is badass. It is full body. It's two days. It is an example of what you will find inside the Boom Boom Elite. So if you want to get a taste of how I program full body sessions, if you literally want to try it, I highly recommend you do. Um, definitely check that out. There's a link in the show notes for a blog. This blog is literally breaking down what I just talked about today in written form. So you have it in front of you and you will also get a program 
at the end of it. And it's not one of those things where you scroll down to the end of the blog and it's like, hey, put your email in here and get, get a free program. It's literally typed out. Like I can see it right here. Swiss ball hamstring curl, band face pull apart, half kneeling power off press, squat variation, single leg RDL, dumbbell incline, alternating bench press. Like it's literally all broken down right here. So go check it out. Try out this full body program. If you love it, go check out the elite, obviously, because that's where I put these things. But more than anything, hit me up. Let me know how it goes. Let me know how you liked it. I want to know that you enjoyed it and I want to see how it went. And with that being said, that's a wrap. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.